Greg Haber, welcome to the Shred Coach Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's it's really nice to have you. So for someone who may not know you and who may not have been to an industry conference over the last number of years, tell me your company, your role, and give me a sense of what an average day looks like for you. Sure. So, I'll, I, you know, Babico's a small company. I'm a sole proprietor. So, you know, on that aspect, my day at Babico is no different than almost almost anybody else that's a, a self-proprietor like we, like I am. You know, they wear a lot of hats, HR, CEO, CFO, all the above. You know, sometimes you have to be counselor and coach and all these other things. But besides that, on the other, on the security aspect, and I guess that's really where you want me to really focus, what I do is I spend a tremendous amount of time um, in various transportation industries, security industries, and, you know, attending trade shows, attending conferences, listening to trends and challenges in all different industries mm. uh, and then what we do is you know we look at these challenges and we, you know we work in you know to give you an idea like we could be working in and a railroad and the pharmaceutical and the parcel companies so there's so many different industries to work with within a day and so and everybody has their own unique challenges and sometimes those challenges are common but other times they're not so but you know being here at Babico, that's what we really specialize in so Got we it. try to come up with solutions that fit people's needs. And, you know, most of these solutions are really things that we design and build ourselves. We have a very talented team here. So how many, like how many team members work for Babico right now? It's relatively small. We have about 17 or 18 people. Okay. So, so a good, good size organization. And you go from manufacturing of things to development of things to Patents even, I there's a rumor there's patents around too. Oh yeah, there's probably about 18 patents at, at the current time and there's always a bunch in process. You know, and we, it goes from a concept to a prototype, hopefully, you know, into manufacturing, mass production at times. Got it. And then your team is probably, I'm guessing the whole, the full scale of delivering that product to the marketplace as well. And yeah. yeah, so I mean, there are times that we build products that are sent to body companies and they're installing all of our products. We have customers that just buy things and we ship them and they install it themselves. So we have, you know, and then there are other times that our products are, are being resold by other companies and they're, my name may not even be on it as well. Got it. Okay. It's just, it's just a product that somebody else is selling as if, as if it were their own. Sometimes. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So give me a sense of the origin story because I mean, you've been in our industry a long time and I've, I've sadly never asked you this question. What caused you to get into this game in the first place? And how long ago was that? Wow. That's a, I'll, I'll, I'll try not to bore you now. So, well, Babico started in 1930 and wow. they, and they invented the uh, vehicle alarm system way before anybody even thought of a car alarm and hmm. Babico stands for. Brooklyn Auto Burglar Alarm Company. Really? Yep. It was started in 1930. It was, when I acquired it, it was a uh, family-owned business. They were on their third generation. They're regional. They really spent most of their efforts and their clientele was really based in alcohol and tobacco over the years. We all know where tobacco is today. So yep. when I got involved in the company, I, I was lucky enough to realize that t tobacco is not going to be something that's going to have any longevity. So I really started broadening our horizons instead of being regional, going national mm. and just really developing all types of products that would be used within the transportation, a larger scope of things and manufacturing them in a, a way that could be done. Right. That way. Right. Yeah. Okay. 
So obviously you work in a lot of different industries, but you've had a place in the commercial records and information and shredding industry for a long time because you and I have been going to conferences. I know I'm in, you know, 25th year. That's roughly how long I've been in the game. And so I know you've been been around for most of that time, at least that I can recall. Sure. But tell me a little bit about the work you do in the shredding industry and the record storage industry and the related connected industries. Okay. Well, you know, we've been doing, I haven't been there for 25 years, but pretty close. Close. Yeah. Pretty close. You know, and what happened is I remember seeing something on the news about a company having some type of a loss and said, wow, this is a pretty interesting uh, industry to get into because it had perceived value. Right. Uh, Other than, you know, a lot of things have different types of value, like pharma and heavy electronics and things like that. They have a different type of value over the years. So, so I started going to these conferences and at the time they, I think at one time they were together like they are now. So that was in the beginning for the most part. And then they separated and now they're back together. But, you know, each part of this industry has its own challenges, I think. And mm-hmm. for good reason. So, and we've been working with some of the largest companies that are in the industry. Uh, some of them went through acquisitions. Some, right. you know, some grew very quickly. Some, you know, some companies have di- even disappeared. And in many of the companies we work with are, you know, could be mom and pop shops with one truck. So we, you know, we have all different, all different clients within this industry and they all have different requirements. It's not right. a one size fit all okay. solution. So give me a sense of what, because we've, we've kind of skirted around the issue yep. and we've kind of seen the broad jump, but, but what are the kind of things, let's just start with a shredding company because we're called the shred coach. So sure. why not go there? Let's take, because your vehicle security, your vehicle locking, your vehicle, what are the different elements or pieces and parts of a truck that you may bring Babico to bear on? Obviously we're trying to secure that truck in, in a few different ways. What we're also trying to do is reinforce a procedure, a process, and how that truck is operating throughout the day. You know, within your facility, typically, if you have a shredding facility, you probably have all these different areas. You probably have supervisors in different areas and and you have systems in place like fire suppression systems. You have locking systems. You have card access. You have all these incredible things for safety and redundancy, Right. right? And then you have multiple people there. But then when you have your truck on the road, typically, you you know, some places have two drivers, you know, two people in a truck, but other places only have one. But that driver is all on their own. Mm. Right. So, you know, when it comes to a process, and this is really, you know, an interesting part, many times drivers do things with no malice intent. No. You know, they no. really think that, you know, they're doing a service to the company. Maybe they're Maybe they put something on the front seat because they know the next stop is 500 feet away or something like that. Or maybe they're leaving the truck running because it's really hot out. And then, you know, the start and stop and it's wear and tear. I mean, they, I've heard all kinds of crazy things. But what we do is we reinforce the process. So we make sure that the truck is shut off when you enter the back. And then oh. if you don't, you know, when, once you close the door, the door is, for instance, the door would be locked. Once you close the door, the alarm would be on. If you don't close the door, you go to drive off on the truck. The truck reminds you and says the door is open. And then we are all different levels. We can make it so the truck doesn't start, or we could make it so that the truck just makes a sound, or we have internal um, buzzers or lights to remind the driver that, hey, you know, your door's open, go check. Because even a good driver could get distracted for five seconds. You know, they get a phone call and next thing you know, they're human. 
So it's not about me pointing fingers at drivers. It's no. about me protecting the drivers from themselves sometimes. Well, maybe they're interrupted as they're loading. It could be anything. So things happen in the course of the day. It's really, really important to help reinforce that process. So we're, we're protecting the truck. We're making sure it's, somebody can't jump and steal it. We're making sure the door is locked. We're making sure that it's alarmed. We're doing a lot of things like that. And so a lot of times is your product, which is supporting processes, actually being put on, say, by the shred truck builders? Or is this an, an aftermarket scenario? How, how does this get, let's say, a shred truck perspective that's actually a physical, like the physical shred truck, not just a collection container? Understood. So, yeah, well, it could be any and all the above. Okay. Because, you know, we're introduced with new companies at different stages. And, you right. know, a truck's life is cyclical, right? So uh, an average life on a truck could be, let's say, five to 10 years, right? You know, depending on how it's driven, sometimes they reuse the box and chassis and things like that. But so if we're introduced to a company and those trucks are three or two or three years old, they have a tremendous amount of life left in them. We have the uh, capabilities of doing the work after the truck is built and it's in their possession. And we work with most of the major truck body shredding manufacturers okay. as they're building the trucks, they can put on. Any, it's like a, uh, you know, pick and choose menu. They could pick and choose which features and which products they want. So they can receive their brand new truck without products on them easily as well. So it can go both ways as well. Okay. Interesting. So given that's the context and because I know you're watching the industry on a regular basis, you're watching it, you're observing it, you're aware of things happening. What are some of the big mistakes? What are some of the areas of exposure that you see the industry having related to overall security, the ability to follow processes, how to manage the fact that drivers sometimes aren't doing it intentionally, but they make dorky mistakes. And it's just the nature of the beast. But what are some of the mistakes that you see operators making from that perspective related to all of this? Okay, so on a very high level, the, law, um, the most common mistakes that I see are companies being reactive instead of proactive. Mm. So that's, I mean, that's, and that goes industry-wide. You know, we're not a requirement. Security is not a so-called requirement in a lot of ways. There are certain standards that are, are required in every industry and even in this one as well. But most of it is, you know, for instance, padlocks. To me, a padlock is a very generic statement. It's almost like saying a car. You know, they have cars that, you know, we have electric right. cars, we have performance cars, we have everything. But when it comes to padlocks that you can buy a padlock for $3, you know, it's a TSA padlock. And I've seen those on trucks that does it really, does it meet the requirement? Yes. You know, you buy a $5 padlock. Yeah. It meets the requirement for certain certifications that your truck has a padlock and it's locked, but I can open it up with a paper clip, you know? <laughs> so what is that really doing? One of the things I would say is making sure you use some quality products as well like that. The next thing I would say is, you know, are you ever replacing your padlocks? And if you're replacing your padlocks, that's really giving you some insight that you have a problem. Why is that? Because they're not being used in the manner that you expect that they're being used. Okay. Because so it, explain that more because I'm, I'm intrigued by that. Well, well, if you take a padlock off yeah, and you take it and you hang it on the side of the truck, typically is what I, yeah. what I typically see, or you put it on you know, the ledge of the truck, or you put it in your pocket, wherever you put it, put that padlock, you take it off, you open your door, you close the door, you don't put it back on, it gets lost. Many times you're driving down the road and you'll see a padlock hanging from the handle that people grip. 
because what they're doing right. is they're taking it off, they're putting it there, and then maybe when they're on their way back to the office, they put it back on the door. So if you find that you're replacing padlocks, you know that they're not being used the way that you expect. They they're not following the process properly. Correct. And, you know, maybe, you know, for all different reasons that we mentioned before, maybe, well, it doesn't make sense to put it back on. It slows me down. I'd be faster. And I'm, you know, it's all about time and that you don't want me to do overtime and you want me to be fast to each customer. So it could be something as simple as that, but it could also be they're distracted and, you know, you're asking the driver to perform a secondary function. Right. You know, this isn't tying their shoes that they know they do without thinking and they could have a conversation. This is about closing the door and putting a padlock on. It's a secondary operation. So maybe it's missed at times. And how, how do you, from your perspective, from Babico's perspective, fix that problem? Like what, what's the fix for that? Okay. So one of the fixes is, you know, every lock that we've designed and every system that I've designed over time is done in such a way that it's automatic. So when you see our sticker and it says not under driver's control, I've kept, you know, that started way before I came to the company, but I've really taken that to the next level. So for instance, when you close the door and you secure the door, it's locked. It's just uh, that simple. So the door is locked. It's like a self-locking mechanism as opposed to a padlock that you have to, you have to remember to put on, close, whatever that process is. Exactly. So if you left your house in the morning and simply by closing your front door, it would automatically lock and turn on the alarm system and everything would be secured, that would be great. I know that there are times I would come home, sometimes my kids wouldn't lock the door or even close the door. Right. Well, it's no different on your truck. But if this is done in such a way that when the door is closed, it's locked, could you imagine asking your kids to put a padlock on your front door after they close it? It would, right. never, it would never be done. You know, they're running, the bus is coming, they're late. For whatever reason, there's things happening. So that's why I'm not a, I mean, we sell very high level security padlocks here, but they're not my go-to. Got it. There's so, a specific time and place for them, I think. It's more the automated systems to support the process. Because I keep going back to what you said. You're not, you're not just selling security. You're selling process enablement. I don't know if that's the right term, but you're, you're enabling a process to unfold in a way that ensures security of the system. Correct. Got it. Right. Okay. And, an, and another, another thing that I would say, another common mistake would be, how often do you spot check and observe the process in action? which is really important because what you envision as far as a process that's happening in the field may be very different from the real world. Right. Right. You know, how a driver goes back and forth with a bin and empties it and puts it on a truck and stores it. You know, there are so many things, you know, I've seen drivers come back to the truck and store the bin and the bin, you know, wasn't full. So they didn't shred it and they just right. put it in the storage. I mean, there's, you know, there's endless stories of things right. or, you want to spot check and see exactly what is the process, what's happening out there. Not so much that you're, you know, to catch your driver doing something incorrect, but maybe to catch, to see what's actually happening so that maybe you need to make adjustments to right. what should be done and what's the best manner for things to be done. And so you can make modifications. Right. Cause, cause a lot of times it's, what we assume is happening may never have been trained properly. It may not have been put into a checklist, any kind of training program. And a driver can easily just be doing things they assume. And I think all of us naturally go to the easiest thing to do. Or the We're most logical. You and I both do that. Right. The most logical. But it may, that logic may not work when you get to a customer and they have to park the truck here. They have to go through a security gate, go through a front door. 
you know, it could be so many different reasons. You yes. really need to look at that process, see what's going on and may, maybe make adjustments. Right. And sometimes the adjustments aren't always in training. Sometimes the adjustments based on what I'm hearing from you are also interventions using technology or tools that can support the process to ensure security through the life cycle of that, that action or activity that's happening, that service call. Absolutely. Got it. Okay. So let's assume a fairly new operator or even an existing shred operator comes to you and says, give me some pieces of advice. Like I'm, I'm really new to the game. I bought a truck, but I didn't fill out your part of the checklist at the right. manufacturer. What kind of advice would you give them in terms of thinking about security, this whole system kind of security that you talk about? Okay. So what the first thing I would do would really be look at your entire supply chain from the moment you're loading your product onto your transportation and when it's in transportation, when it's delivered and every part of that process, because every part of that, let's call every link in that chain, that's supply chain must be as strong as the next, or you have, right. you know, you have a chain that's going to break. It's extremely important. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go and put a brand new truck body on a, on a vehicle that won't run every other day. So that would obviously be, you know, it's an over, right. you know, I'm overly simplifying it, but you also wouldn't put a, you know, as I mentioned, a very inexpensive padlock on it. I mean, you have a shiny truck, you may be going to a customer place that looks important. And now all of a sudden you're, you know, somebody's walking by and your truck is idling and right. wow, it's a nice truck. Maybe they want the truck for other reasons. I mean, today you can't get parts. You can't even get parts for trucks. So they could steal your truck just for the parts. Or maybe who knows what the reason is, but it's a crime of opportunity on yeah. something like that. So so the three pieces of advice is look at every part of your supply chain, not just lock. I'm not here to just say lock your doors, but look at every part of it and make sure you understand every aspect and see what are your vulnerabilities on each one. And vulnerability is not just what happens at the back of the truck or in the box of the truck or even in, in a shredding world, the, you know, the parts that the active parts when you're stopped doing shredding, it's will somebody take your truck? Will somebody somehow right? You said a crime of opportunity. There's a truck and there's, you know, $300,000 worth of equipment sitting here. So, right. okay. That's, that, that's a great one. So the point is look at every single piece of the, the supply chain or the process chain that you're involved in and look right. for the vulnerability there. The next thing I would say, and I don't, I don't say this for every industry, but I certainly do say it in your industry, you're selling security, right? You're selling reliability. Right. And, you know, you really should embrace the fact that that's what you're selling. And, you know, I'm sure that you go through all the different aspects of what do you have in your building? You have all this great technology in your building. You probably spend a tremendous amount of time on that, but you probably don't spend much on your on your vehicle and your drivers. And that's a resource that you should talk right. about. You know, we've trained our drivers to do X, Y and Z. We have this type of technology on our truck. And, you know, GPS is a very generic term. But you really should talk about, you know, what makes your GPS different? If, you know, does it uh, alert you if something doesn't happen? If Does it alert you if a door is open when it shouldn't be open? Things like that. So that's a very important thing to do as well. You know, and I would use that as a differentiator. Mm, okay. So that's very yeah. strong. I mean, within your, you know, if I was paying somebody to come to my facility and do things, whether I was doing it on-site or off-site, I yep. would really address their concerns before they asked for it. Right. I would say this is what makes us the right company for you to do business. We have this type of security on and off. 
And, you know, most companies can't say that. Right. And that's important. Right. And then probably the last thing I would probably say is just because you haven't experienced crime or a loss, don't be complacent. Right. You know, I would look at this and then say, you know what, if we experience the loss, I don't care if it's a loss for power because you have redundancy, you have generators, right? But look at every loss that you can envision and then say, you know, what would happen to me if that happened? How would I address that? And then how can I prevent that? Because if you go in that order, it means more, right? You know, you, you don't really think about getting in a car accident because the insurance company is going to pay for your car to be fixed. But how would you get to work if you didn't have right. it for a month? So you really need to take that time and think about, well, what would happen if this happened? How would I address that? And how would I keep, how would I stay in business? Yeah. I'm aware that in many truck driving industries, there's the security, there's driver's process, there's procedural stuff. There's the kind of interesting alarm systems and lock systems that you're talking about, the on-off switches, the, the automation of that. Another thing that, that I'm seeing pop up is like driver cameras. And some people really resent driver cameras on them, but it's right. <laughs> obviously, but I actually watched a video that you were on in the, it was related to the marijuana delivery industry yep. or the, yeah, something along those lines. And I, I watched a, a program that you were the expert on. And there was, there was some talk about like people using jammers and tampering with even these tools now that are out there. What, what's the scoop on that? Oh yeah. Well, listen, there you can go online and and buy yourself a GPS jammer. Really? It's it's really illegal to use, but you know, for under $200, you could certainly buy a jammer, plug it into your cigarette lighter of your vehicle, and now you're creating noise. So jammers are very eloquent eloquent word for and high-tech word for noise. So if you create right. uh you create this RF interference and radio interference, right? The GPS doesn't know where it is. So if you're a driver and you don't want to be found or you don't want them watching how fast you're going or how long you stop, you can buy a jammer. And this has happened recently. The driver themselves put a jammer in the thing so they couldn't be monitored with GPS. Got it. So interesting. Yeah, there's all types of things out there. You know, there's a cause and effect at anything. But I, you know, what I try to do is, you know, when it comes to cameras, the cameras are there to reinforce good drivers. You're not going to really watch a driver all on, all day long and see what they're doing. It's the type of thing that it, if they were to, uh, you know, unfortunately get into a, a serious accident, that would prove that, you know, the good chances that could prove that you didn't do anything wrong. Right. And right. today they also, you know, they, so there's also reward programs on some of our systems so that when you have your driver in there, you know, they're not doing any harsh braking or hard accelerating on hard curbs. You know, you can give them rewards. They do things like that. And, you know, and every time that they do something that they shouldn't do, they might lose a point. So whoever gets the most points at the end of the month gets a free dinner or something like that. Right. So, I mean, you, you're looking at it and you could see like that's an unsafe corner, an unsafe stop. Those things are important. And it's not about it's more about watching the exception. What stands out? What's wrong? How can right. you correct that? There's even AI today that will tell you if your eyes aren't on the road, if they're looking down at their phone, you can see if they're texting, if they're daydreaming, they're falling asleep. It does, it, it actually alerts you. So you could see that and maybe call them up and say, is everything okay? Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So what are some of the cool innovations that you, that, that either you're creating internally or you see on the horizon for vehicle security, vehicle management, driver 
keeping drivers within process, what are some of the interesting, cool things that you could share with the shredding records rim industry at this point? Okay. So, well, one thing that's really interesting today, and I think it's going to not, not your entire industry, but parts of your industry right now is uh, something that's happening in Southern California. Hmm. It's called where, and where is basically a, it's all about saving the environment and keeping track of your carbon footprint. The state has put a regulation in effect right now. So Southern California, every trip in and out of your facility has to be recorded. And we have to record if it's a truck, commercial truck, you need to have time, date, make, year, model, VIN, and type of power plant you have. So if it's a diesel, if it's a hybrid, hydrogen, electric, you must keep that recording immediately. Hmm. So even if you're like one tenant inside of a 200,000 square foot building, you're going to have to record that. And what happens at the end of the year, based on your carbon footprint is how much you're going to pay. It's really about a tax. So if hundred percent of your fleet is diesel, maybe you have to pay, you know, let's say for an arbitrary number at $10,000. Right? right. And let's say if you had that same, the same fleet the next year and you, and you put half of it electric and hydrogen, maybe it would only be 5,000. But this right now, the cost of non-compliance is $10,000 a day. So this is- 10,000 a day. This is real. And if you, don't take, if you don't take the time to record that information, they'll be happy to tell you what they think you should be paying, which is not a good thing. And right, right now, there's probably about 14 other states that are lining up behind California that's watching this go into effect. So you know, what do you do? So one of the things that we've created, and we have an app that does many different things. And we've created a module on the app that instantly records the truck when it comes in. We could record the VIN. We'll know exactly everything about it. On all the person at the gate has to do is press one button, take a picture, and now we, we're compliant. We've recorded hmm. all that information, put it up in a cloud, and at any time they can press one button, copy that information, push it right into Southco, which is the regulatory body department that's recording this. And you could take it and cut and paste, and now you're compliant. And if they were to do an audit, they've seen our product. They, they haven't mentioned that anybody else is even doing it. So I'm very excited about the fact that that's really cool. And I think, you know, and honestly, it's the future. States need to raise money. This is an easy way to raise money under the premise of being environmentally friendly. So right. what, you know, what, it, what it is, is a tax. It's a tax. It's a tax. Got it, it absolutely is a tax. So that's one thing that, I'm, that I really think is, is going to change the industry. And I think it's here to stay. And you need to be able to record that information. And if you're not in your industry, you, you should look into it. If you're located in Southern California, W-A-I-R-E. Look it up. It's okay. W-A-I-R-E. Okay. Yeah. And, it's, and it's Southern California now, but yeah. you're saying there's 14 other states lining up to potentially implement as a mechanism. And the technology you're talking about is something that you've, you guys have built in-house and it's, it's an app that supports all that. Yep. And it's really inexpensive. Very so cool. So that's a great thing to do. And something else that we're working on right now, and it's very close to being released public. You know, it, it's always been a challenge. So locking systems, we use a very specialized key and that key cannot be duplicated and you can't stop at any hardware store to use it. And, and although, you know, there's 2 billion codes, you can't pick it, you can't, you can't do all these things, but at the same time, it's a key and it's archaic. And mm. in many industries, you know, it's difficult to get the key from point A to point B with the driver because sometimes it changes and trailers right. and, you know, changes hands. And 
it has limitations. I mean, if the driver comes back at the end of the day and hands you back the key, you know you have key control, but you don't know what he did with it throughout the day or she, right? Right. So what we've done is we have a new electronic key that goes through your phone. So your phone becomes the key. There's no power inside the lock because that's always been an issue in the transportation industry. You'd, we couldn't have an operated, battery-operated lock because it's always, you know, it's a bad environment. You have to change the batteries. Right. And so you take your phone, you put your phone onto the lock, and the uh, company gives that driver authorization to use that phone with that key. So now I could, say, I could text you permission to open up your truck right now, and you'd be able to open that truck, and I would know that you opened it. And I would know right. where so you are. So now you, you have a log of activity on it. Yep. I have an audible. I have an audit trail. You bet. And I can run all types of reports on which lock you opened and when. So you can wow. prove to your customers as well that between point A and point B, it was never opened. I opened it up at your facility. I opened it up at my facility. It was never opened up at any other time. So right. You, so layers more of process, but also security and the ability to be auditable in the process. Exactly. And retrievable history as well. Yeah. Interesting. And everybody uses a phone today. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like having a key, fixable key. So I think that that's really going to go a long way. That's This is the beginning of the future on things like that as well. Very sweet. So final question as we get to the end. Thank you for sure. sharing all this. I'm I'm really glad that we talked because it, it helps me to understand a little bit more some of the cool things you're doing behind the scenes that nobody ever talks about. But what are some of the most interesting security adventures you've been on in the last few years in terms of, I feel like just recently you posted something on LinkedIn that was about this, and I can't even remember what it was now, just in the top of my head as I'm we're talking, I'm there was this thing and it was like some major thing that, that was being transported and you did the locking system on it or you built it or something. No, that was way before my time. It would, Babico, in, I think it was in the, in the late 30s, actually protected the atom bomb or parts of it when it was being transported in the United States. That's what it yeah. was. And really? Were, and I found, I found the article and I posted it on LinkedIn. It had nothing. I can't take any credit. Okay, because I, I, I couldn't, right yeah. in the moment, I just, that thing popped into my mind and I couldn't, I couldn't remember what it was, but I knew it was significant. So it was the atom history. bomb. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Very interesting. Very, yeah. So any last words to the, the shredding and records and related industries from your perspective in terms of security, locking, alarms, GPS tracking, driver management, what, what other, uh, what other final advice or final words would you give the industry? Don't be complacent by any means. Just if there, if there, you know, if there's a leak somewhere, you need to find it in advance. The last thing you want to do is see one of your trucks on the side of the road in the news and it looks like it was snowing and it's in a state that doesn't snow. And it's <laughs> the whole highway is covered with paper. And even if that paper shredded, shredded, right. that's, you know, if it's shredded paper, it still is not going to look very good. And I know, you know, one of my uh, prior clients had that issue and it, it ended up being on a rental vehicle. They, did, they didn't follow their own procedure and oh. they used a vehicle. So and it was their name on the news, even though it was on the side of the truck. So you have to be careful. Well, Greg, this has been great. Uh, a learning adventure for me. So I'm always grateful for that. And thank you for all the cool stuff you're doing in the world and in our industry and continued success. Thanks for sharing. And it was great talking to you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. 
Thanks again for listening to the Shred Coach Podcast with Tom Adams. Make sure to visit TomAdams.com for executive coaching, advisory board services, podcasting, training, and more. And subscribe to our email list so you can have first access to brand new strategies, tips, and ideas from trusted shredding and business professionals. Thank you.